You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Connection with our sermon this morning, we'll read together Leviticus chapter 16, the verses 11 through 19. Those verses fall in the section of Leviticus that covers the Day of Atonement. Very special, meaningful feast day in the lives of Old Testament Israel. Leviticus 16, beginning at verse 11. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. And he is to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the testimony, so that he will not die. He is to take some of the bull's blood, and with his finger, sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people, and take its blood behind the curtain, and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever sins, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out, having made atonement for himself his household, and the whole community of Israel. Then he shall come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on all the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and consecrate it from uncleanness, from the uncleanness of the Israelites. Thus far, our reading from the Old Testament will now turn to our text Hebrews 9 at verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This morning, we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. This supper has been instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And in the rich diversity of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we receive many different blessings from it. We receive the blessings of communion with him. We receive the blessing of communion with each other. We receive the blessing of the assurance of forgiveness. 
And that is what sits at the very core of this celebration. The forgiveness of our sins. When our Lord Jesus Christ himself sat with his disciples in the upper room as they celebrated that Passover together, he told them that the bread and the wine that they were eating and drinking represented his body and his blood, he said, given for them. He was offering himself for them. And his message was clear as the blood of the Passover lamb was sufficient to save the Israelites in Egypt. You remember what happened there. The tenth plague, destroying angel was going to go through all the land of Egypt and kill the firstborn of every household, except those households which had the blood of the Passover lamb put on their mantle and on their doorposts. And so as the blood of that Passover lamb was sufficient to save the Israelites and to spare their firstborn, so is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so much more is His blood sufficient to save those who would believe in the effectiveness of His blood to save them. His body was broken and His blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Our sin is the reality that our thoughts, our words, our deeds transgress God's law, the law which we read this morning together, and that's only really the core of the law. There's so much more that God's law encompasses. Our thoughts, words, and deeds transgress God's law and offend His holiness. He is perfect. He is without sin. There is nothing impure within Him. And so our impurities, our sins, offend His holiness. That's what our sins do. But the forgiveness of our sins is the reality that these sins which we commit, which make us worthy of God's punishment and disdain, have been dealt with. They've been paid for. They no longer stand against us. They no longer accuse us. They no longer call upon us God's judgment and punishment. Instead, they're gone. They're dealt with. They're paid for. They are, the psalmist says in Psalm 103, cast away. This is the reality that the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to remember in the Lord's Supper. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of what I have done for you. Yes, we are to bring this forgiveness of our sins to our minds and to our hearts. We must remember. And then in recalling and believing in the forgiveness of our sins through His blood, we are blessed. We are blessed. That's what our text speaks about this morning. As it tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanses our consciences from acts that lead to death. The blood of Jesus Christ 
cleanses our consciences. What does this mean? Well, what is our conscience? You probably have a sense of what our conscience is. Well, what is it? And what is it from a biblical perspective? Well, do you know what an organ is? No, I'm not talking about the organ that Sister Dyke was playing this morning, the one that the pipes sit above me here. I'm talking about a bodily organ. The organs that are within your body, like your heart or your kidney or your stomach. All your organs have different jobs. Your heart, of course, pumps your blood. Your kidneys filter that blood. Your stomach processes your food. Well, your conscience... I don't even know where to point to say where conscience is. I don't know where this organ is. But your conscience is like an organ. Our conscience is a, is a spiritual organ which guides our, our living, our, our day-to-day living, our thinking, our decision-making, our desires. Our conscience is an organ. It has a specific job. And it guides our living, our thinking, our decision-making. But what then is it to have your conscience cleansed? The author of Hebrews, in explaining the result of the work of Jesus Christ, compares the effect of of Christ's blood to that of the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer. What's he talking about here? Well, he's making reference to two different things in Old Testament practice. One, of course, is the Day of Atonement, which we read. And the other one is the process by which you would cleanse someone who is unclean. Numbers 19 expounds more on that. That's the ashes of a heifer. You would sprinkle those and they would make someone unclean. Well, what happens in both of those, the processes of the Day of Atonement and the process of sprinkling the ashes of a heifer, is that it brings about a complete change in the person for whom that act is being done. It brings a complete change into how they relate with God and how they relate with others. Through the blood of goats, the Israelite is cleansed from their sins in the Day of Atonement. Their sins are atoned for. They're cleansed. They're forgiven. Through the ashes of a heifer, the Israelite moved from unclean to clean. Their status was changed. And so, as a result of the Day of Atonement, the Israelite could live unburdened by their sins against God. They they knew their sins. They knew the effect that that would have in their relationship with God. And so that Day of Atonement was for them a reminder and a call to believe that those sins had been paid for, that they had been atoned, and they could live once again in harmony with God and with their neighbor. As a result of the ashes of a heifer, the Israelite would be made, made clean, and their life, life would no longer be burdened by their unclean status and by all the rituals they would have to go through as a result of that unclean status. When they were made clean, they were free once again to join in Israelite society and service and worship. They were clean. They were allowed to come before the Lord once again. This then is the effect that the blood of Jesus Christ has on our consciences. We used to, as Paul says, live in darkness. 
In this, our conscience was seared. It was misfiring. It was guiding all of our thinking and living and decision-making into sinful acts. And as a result, our anxiety and guilt and distortion in our minds and hearts continued to increase. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. And so it cleanses our consciences as well. He removes the burden of guilt from us. And He restores our ability to think and to live and to decide in a way that conforms with God's law. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are cleansed so that we can serve the living God. Rather than serving idols, serving ourselves, or serving whatever our desires want, our consciences are cleansed, set free, so that we can serve the living God. This morning, as we call to mind the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, consider what God is doing. He is reminding you that your sins are forgiven. By displaying the work of Jesus Christ, He is unburdening your conscience. Guilt, fear, Judgment, all of these removed through the death of Jesus Christ. And yes, as you remember this, know that also he is doing this effectively. As you place your faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you, God is in fact working on you. And he is, through this act, renewing your conscience. You're not merely listening to this proclamation of the gospel. You are not merely eating bread and drinking wine. God is working powerfully through these means to renew you, to renew your conscience, and to equip you for the living and the thinking and the decision-making that you need in order to live your life for the glory of the eternal God, your King and Master, the God of creation. The one God who has created and rules this world. And so remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. Believe in his work accomplished on the cross. Take and eat and be assured of the forgiveness of your sins through the broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.